Bridge Youth, how are you guys doing tonight? You guys good? Look at your neighbor say, you look good. Hey, I am stoked for tonight. We're kicking off a brand new series. If you got a Bible, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis 39. Hey, for anybody who does not know me, my name is Corey alongside my wife Amber. We get to uh, pastor you crazy group of people called Bridge Youth. We absolutely love it. And hey, one of our favorite things around here at Bridge Youth is getting to meet new people. So maybe you're brand new. Maybe you've come, you're visiting tonight. Maybe you're watching online. We just want to say an extra special welcome. For us, one of our favorite things is meeting new people. We absolutely love bringing in new family members. And we like welcoming our guests by saying something that for us, this never gets old. We like welcoming our guests by saying we're here to build you up, not? Yeah, we love you. We back you. We got one rule. If you're in the room, you are family. All right, tonight, somebody say tonight. Tonight, we're kicking off a brand new series around the topics of love. Somebody say love. Why'd y'all say it like that? <laughs> Buckle up, buttercup. Because this series is not just about love. It's also about love, sex, <laughs> dating. Hey, calm down, man. Save, save some ladies for the rest of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Homie rolled up on his heel. He's like, yeah. Hey, somebody says something about love. <laughs> Uh, this series is about, if, if that makes you uncomfortable, let's just, let, well, we could go with uh, dating, mating, and relating. Is that better? <laughs> no, that one feels more awkward. Um, just about every February, we dig into uh, this sort of, um, this type of, of series. And we might come at it from a different angle. Um, we'll always title it different. We'll keep it sort of fresh. We'll often talk about some more um, applicable and relevant topics within the series. But just about every year, we dig into a, a in the love month, we dig into this type of series. To which you might ask me, well, Why? Corey, why this series? I'm going to give you three reasons why this series. Um, number one, it's because Amber and I have been in youth ministry for going on 14 years. Who is 14 years old or younger? 14 or younger. Okay. Good Lord. So we've been doing ministry like as long or longer than you've been alive. And, and we've always done, we've always been a part of youth ministry. And can I tell you, the number one, somebody say number one. The number one thing that pulls students away from God, away from community, away from faith, away from their calling, away from church. The number one thing is relationships. It's the number one thing. Nothing Absolutely nothing comes close. I've never seen a young person walk away from their faith, leave Jesus, walk away from church, and then come to find out it was like they were listening to secular music. It's like, oh, it was the, it was the new Drake album that was to blame. Like, I, I've, I've never gone to like a 15, 16-year-old who's like walked away from the church and then, you know, you have that moment where you run into your ex-youth pastor at the mall. I'm like, where have you been? Like, oh, you know, I was really going strong with the Lord. But then I watched a PG-13 movie. <gasps> no, you did it. Yes, and it made me walk away from God. Like, I've never seen it. But you know, the, like, almost every single time 
And I see a young person walk away from the Lord. It's a, it's a joke amongst me and some of our youth leaders and a lot of my youth pastor friends. It's like, oh, where's, you know, I'll go speak for some of my youth pastor friends. And there's a student that I'd, I'd know. And I'd be like, hey, where's so-and-so? They'd be like, ah, oh, they're not really around. You know, we haven't seen them in a while. And I'll go, really? Who are they dating? Because it's so true. So that's, that's the first reason. Number two, um, the second reason why we do this type of series just about every February is because I firmly believe that the number one greatest decision that you will make in your life, number one, is whether or not you'll follow Jesus. And number two is who you will one day marry. Who you will one day marry is the greatest decision, second only to, uh, uh, second, and I know some of you junior hires like, I'm marrying my mom. I promise you, you're going to change, you're going to change that opinions. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Jay Hires. I'm going to be coming for y'all in this series. I'm just letting you know. Um, man, it is so, who you marry will be a make or break for not just your life, but also for your faith. So choose wisely. Amber ain't never been on a bad date with me. That was, I felt so confident when she said that, bro. Like, I, it's like, not, never with Corey. I was like, that's right. <laughs> I don't know why I did that with my shirt. I was like, that's right, bro. <laughs> Number three, Here's why we do this series. Here's why I'm doing this series this month. Because our, us, our culture, our society, our generation is so confused when it comes to the topic of love, sex, dating, relationships. When it comes to the topics of, of gender, sexuality, orientation. Our generation, our culture, our society, if you haven't noticed are extremely confused about these topics. But guess what? God is not confused about these things. So this series, we're going to be digging into God's word about some of these things. I want to preface this whole series by, by telling you this. If you have questions about some of this stuff, go talk to your parents. <sighs> no! Corey, I could never. I know, it's like the least popular thing a youth pastor could ever say. But can I tell you this? If your parents, if your parents are still together, you've got a blessing sitting in your house and you should talk to them. You will not be married longer than five minutes accidentally. Some of you, you have parents that have been married 10, 20, 30 years. Go talk to them. For some of you, your parents aren't still married. You, like Amber and I, come from a broken home. Can I tell you, even in those situations, many of your parents have learned from some mistakes that they made. And instead of making the mistakes on your own, you can hear wisdom from them on how to not make some of those mistakes. There's some topics that we might, uh, there's some topics of discussion that we might dig into that you guys have some questions about. Please, 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 do not assume irrelevance because of age. We know, this is not even in my notes, but you know, we're like one of the only cultures in all of society that deems people uh, less valuable as they get older. Dig into almost every other culture in society, every other culture in history. The older you get, the more valuable you became. And we think, oh, they're, you know, they're past 25. They're just so irrelevant. You know, every other culture is like, dude, they're 75. They must have so much wisdom. They must know so much. They are so valuable, and they're held in such a high regard in their cultures. I went to Kenya, Africa. The older you are, the cooler you are in Kenya. And when you're older, man, you are someone who is held with such regard. And the moment that someone who's 75, 80 years old begins to start talking, everybody else quiets down. It's like, what, what do you have to say? Can I, can I tell you, I know that 
for so many of you, love, sex, dating, dating, mating, relating, whichever one's more comfortable for you, it's the last topics you would want to talk to your parents about. Can I tell you, the enemy loves that. He loved to bring division there. All right, get off this topic, Corey. You're losing everybody. All right, here is the big question. So we're talking about uh, asking for a friend. I know that there's always so many different questions to be asked around these topics, and, and often so many young people are like, this isn't for me, but asking for a friend. All right, so we're going to tackle some questions. Here's the question for tonight. How do I avoid slipping up? messing up and falling into sin when it comes to love, sex, and dating? How do I not give in? How do I not trip up? How do I not fall into sin when it comes to these areas? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I know you're not asking. You're asking for a friend. Mm -hmm. So here's your sermon in a sentence. If you're taking notes, write this down. Maybe you've never heard me preach before. I like boiling everything I say tonight. I like boiling it down to one sentence. If I don't, I think if you can't say it in one sentence, maybe just don't say it at all. Here's your sermon in a sentence. Do something drastic to your sin, or your sin will do something drastic to you. Somebody say amen. You got to know that. You got to do something drastic to your sin, or your sin will do something drastic to you. I think when it comes to the battle of sin, when it comes to the battle that's going on between us and the enemy, if you didn't know, you do have an enemy. You do, his, his name's Satan. It's not like Voldemort. We're not going to say his name. Like, his name's Satan. He's the devil. He's your enemy. He hates you, and he wants to destroy your life. So often the way he does that is via sin, via temptation. And when it comes to this battle, I feel like in a lot of ways, this is like a nuclear battle. It is like, like he is coming out here with bazookas and tanks and F-16s, and we're over here with like squirt guns. <laughs> like we got, we got Nerf guns, and he's got like, like machine guns. And don't get me wrong, I modded my, my rival, my Nerf gun that I have in my office. That thing shoots hard, all right? You don't want to get shot by my Nerf gun, okay? But it's nothing compared, like, we're showing up, like, 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 so unwilling to really get into the fight. Do something drastic to your sin, or your sin will do something drastic to you. All the youth leaders said amen. All right, Genesis chapter 39, we're going to read verse 6 to verse 12. Verse 6 to verse 12. 12. Would you stand in the honor of the reading of God's word? We like standing up when we read God's word. It's just a way to honor it. All right. I'm going to give you guys a little heads up. All right. Anybody remember the game heads? Uh, what was it? What's up? Heads up, seven up. Bro, heads up, seven up was lit, dude. It was so sick. I was a dog when it came to heads up, seven up. I guessed right every time I had my eyes open. I was looking at the shoes. <laughs> Cheated. <laughs> I'm going to give you a heads up. All right. Genesis 39. Uh... It's spicy, bro. <laughs> it's, it's spicy. <laughs> uh, if, if Genesis 39 was made into a movie, it would be rated R and your parents would not let you watch it, okay? There's this guy named Joseph. Joseph, I can't give you all the background. We don't have time. This guy named Joseph, his, he was the youngest of all his brothers. His brothers hate him. His brothers beat him up and they, they, they throw him into a pit and then they sell him into slavery. And then these people take him to a foreign land and then he ends up uh, kind of scoring this job at a dude named Potiphar's house. Potiphar was a governmental official. He had money. He was like loaded. And uh, because the favor of God was on Joseph, he did great. He, he did so good in Potiphar's house that Potiphar's like, bro, you're awesome. Like, you make my life so easy. You're phenomenal. Like, you're the best servant anybody could ever have. They, they almost have a sort of friendship, even though Joseph is a servant to Potiphar, right? So then what happens is Potiphar has a smoking hot wife, okay? 
smoking hot. We know this because he was rich. He was a governmental official in this day and age. He didn't have to go on ChristianMingle.com. Okay, he didn't have to hit up farmers only. Uh-uh. <laughs> City folks just don't get it. <laughs> no, he he was able to have his have his pick. So he would have picked the most smoking hot wife out there, and he does. Here's the problem. Somebody go. Uh oh. Potiphar's wife had eyes for Joseph, and this is where we pick up in our story. Genesis 39, verse number 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food uh, to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. Sounds like Wyatt. Huh. <laughs> just kidding. And Potiphar's, I'm not just kidding. You're a very good-looking young man, Wyatt. I don't know why I said I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh <laughs> And Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Somebody say, uh-oh. Quote, come and sleep with me. Somebody say, uh-oh. She demanded. I told you. I told you this is a spicy story. Some of you are like, the Bible's boring. You never read Genesis 39, all right? But Joseph, but Joseph refuse. My guy, Joseph, let's go. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. That makes sense. How could I do such a wicked thing? How could I do such a what? Wicked thing. Remember that. It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph, you crazy, thirsty lady, chill out, day after day. But he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. What did he do? He avoided her. We could stop right there. That could be the end of the message. Just avoid them. All right? That's not the end of the message. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. There's an exclamation point. Good Lord. Joseph tore himself away, and he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Before you sit down, let's pray a very long and spiritual prayer. God, speak to us tonight. Thank you that Delo's coming back to the Lakers. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab a seat. Hey, have you guys ever had that thing happen where, like, someone waves at you, and then you think you recognize them, and you're like, but then there's someone behind you that they're waving at? Is that the worst moment of your life? You're like, and then it's someone behind you, like, okay, I'll just go set myself on fire now. <laughs> like, it's the worst. Uh, okay, so in the, in the spirit of this, this uh, love series that we're doing, I got a doozy of a story for you. So I'm in the eighth grade. It's after school. I'm on the basketball court, hooping like one does. And, and these two girls come up to me uh, while I'm on the basketball court. And they're like, hey, how you doing? I don't know why girls like squash metaphoric bugs under their foot when they're wanting to talk to you. They're like, hey, we had a question for you. Um, would you date this girl? And, and they pulled out not a phone, <laughs> but a picture. <laughs> a picture, like a wallet-sized picture. Because back in the day, 
when we didn't have our cell phone, like when we didn't have smartphones, what girls would do is they would go spend an ungodly amount of money at the mall to take pictures with their friends in matching tops in front of a like star background. <laughs> and then they would take those pictures and they would put them in the front of their folder. <laughs> and then they carry them around and apparently go up to boys on the basketball court and go, hey, just wondering would you ever date this girl? And they show me this picture. Of the, and they're like, they're all in the picture. They're like, this one right here. Look at it. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, oh, I want to be like, I want to be a gentleman, right? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I would have to get to know her. It's the personality that counts, you know? <laughs> I'm trying to be a good dude. And, and in the middle of trying to be a good dude, I hear, no, 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 not him. I would never. I'm like, wait, what? And she, she's like, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not talking about him. That's Corey. I'm talking about Josh. Who's Josh? Josh is my now adopted brother who about a year later my family adopted. He came and lived with us all the way through high school. And the reason we became best friends is because we looked so much alike that everybody kept mistaking each, us for each other, right? And then I just wanted to die. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, imagine, like, how, how, like, how much would your just confidence be crumbled if you're, like, you're sitting there thinking, dang, man, I'm just out here hooping. I'm just putting up shots, you know, doing my thing. Now these girls are like, hey, our friend thinks you're so hot. Like, would you date this girl? You're like, you know, I don't know. Like, I guess I'd have to get to know her, maybe take her out. By the way, by the way. I think that if you're going to take a girl out on a D-A-T-E, you should have a J-O-B and you should pay for her. But that's just me. Alicia, I agree with everything. Here's the thing. Alicia's a girl boss. Alicia, like, owns her own businesses and does real estate and all this stuff. And she drives a dope car. And she's like, I don't need no man to pay for my dinner. Pay for my own dinner. Thank you very much. She's like, I got my own retirement. I make my own investments. You know, man, to pay for my $20 dinner. Also, if Alicia's the type that try to take me for a $20 dinner on a first date, psych, you better quadruple that number, boy. <laughs> so all confident, I'm like, yo, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, we'll see. Just for this girl to run up screaming at the top of her lungs, no, 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 not him, never. Because from a distance, they thought they recognized me, but then they got up close and was like, no, that's not him. Apparently, I looked good from afar, but far from good. <laughs> they had, a, they had a, a recognition issue, and I think a lot of us do as well. Three ways that we can avoid slipping up and falling into sin. Number one, recognize. Look at your neighbor say, you better recognize you guys ever heard of fight or flight, how we all have fight or flight instincts? Fight or flight is like in a life or death situation, most people are going to respond in one of two ways. They're either going to gear up and get ready to fight or they're going to run, okay? They're going to gear up or they're going to run. Where's all the people that like, you're like, I'm a fight person. I, I get ready to fight. Where's it like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> I'm gone. I don't got to outrun whatever's threatening me. I just got to outrun you, <laughs> all right? Um, we all have these sort of fight or flight instincts. One of the things I want to accomplish tonight is that I, I pray that tonight God would give you a sort of spiritual fight or flight. Because we run from the things that are deadly from, for us because it's literally built into us. It's an instinct. I pray that God gives you that sort of spiritual instinct tonight. But the first thing that you got to do when it comes to fight or flight is you got to recognize that the thing that's in front of you is deadly. 
that it could hurt you and that it could harm you. So when it comes to the spiritual side of this, you got to recognize what God recognizes, which is sin and sexual sin. It's like a, it's like a, a black mamba. I'm not talking about Kobe, who is the real goat. All right? Sin, sin is deadly. It's, it's, it's deadly. Uh, Romans, uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. See, it's not like the wages of sin is a minor inconvenience. The wages of sin will sort of hurt you. The wages of sin will give you a little cut. You'll never feel like more of a sissy than when you get a paper cut, bro. Like you get a paper cut. The wages of sin is not like a paper cut. The wages of sin is death. And I think one of the problems with our generation is that we don't recognize sin as deadly. Instead, we look at it as just another option on the table. Whew, I'm going to say that again in the context of sexual sin. I think one of the problems is that our generation doesn't look at sexual sin as deadly, as harmful. It will hurt you. It will kill you. It will wreck your life. I think that our generation looks at sexual sin as it's just another option on the table. But if I were to come out and put a bottle of water that is still, still sealed on this table and a bottle of, of poison on this table, like a bottle of like concentrated black widow venom, and I said, you got two options. I know you're parched. Which one you want to drink? You'd be like, there's only one option. And yet we look at those two things, God's order, God's way, and sin, and we go, oh, well, there's two options. There's only one option on the table, and you've got to recognize that. Somebody say amen. So how do you avoid falling into sin? You've got to recognize it as deadly. Joseph recognized it as deadly. Verse number nine. Remember I said, Joseph said, how could I do such a wicked thing? A wicked thing against my master and a wicked thing against God. We got to start recognizing that sexual sin and sin itself is a wicked thing. Here's the thing. Sexual sin is wicked. Sex itself is not. When it comes to sex, remove the boundary, you remove the beauty. Track with me. God, in everything that he's given us, has given us boundaries, right? And it's no different than some of the things that we see in life. I love the ocean. I love the ocean. One of my favorite places I've ever been in my whole life is Hanalei Bay in Kauai, Hawaii. Love it. My, my, my Hawaiian sister, Alicia, knows it. Man, we are, it's like, I am the male Moana, bro. I've been staring at the edge of the water long as I can remember, never really knowing why. I don't know what that thing is. It's like a flute or something. Like, that's me, bro. I love the ocean. I surf. I, I like, I, 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 me and Amber, we jumped off of a, a boat into open water. It was so funny, dude. This has nothing to do with the message. Amber is like, all right, we're going to like, get your GoPro, Corey. We're going to jump off into the water, right? He's like, here we go. One, two, three. We jump. I'm like, get in the water. I'm like, yeah, this is so sick. She's like, yeah. And it starts dawning on her that we're in like the open ocean. Like there, there could be sharks anywhere, right? She's like, oh gosh. And she goes back to the boat. And she's like, give me a second. I'll come back in a minute, right? Like I love the ocean. Here's the thing about the ocean. The ocean's beautiful, but it's powerful. And the beauty of the ocean is only beautiful when it stays within its boundaries. The boundaries is the beach. What happens when the ocean crosses the boundary of the beach? It's called a hurricane. It's called a typhoon. And the moment it begins to cross that boundary, it just reaps destruction. It's just death and destruction. We've all seen the videos of, of different places in the world that have suffered horrible catastrophes from, from, weather, uh, from these weather storms like, like hurricanes and typhoons. 
We've seen people's houses get swept away. Well, why? Because the ocean crossed its intended boundary. It's the same when it comes to love, sex, and dating. You take it past the boundary, you, you, you remove the beauty, and it's going to be death and destruction. I think we have to recognize that. See, freedom is best uh, enjoyed in the context of structure. Our, our generation, your, our, your generation is so obsessed with freedom. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm American. I believe that history began in 1776, baby. Like, I love America. I am a patriot. I love America. And, 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 and we're all about freedom, which I am all about. I love freedom. But I think it beyond just patriotic freedom, just freedom in life and freedom in general, we've become so obsessed with freedom. You would think that the hottest commodity in the world is freedom. But here's the thing. If you were to throw me in the middle of the ocean in my underpants, I would be free, but I would be miserable. I'd be cold, I'd be shivering, I'd be scared, I'd be lost. Oh, but I'm free. Freedom is best, best enjoyed within the context of structure. And this is what God does. He says, here's some boundaries, here's some structure. Now enjoy all the freedom you want within those boundaries and structure. Can I tell you? Here it comes, here it comes, guys. Really, really popular youth pastor moment. This is why one of the most loving things your parents could tell you is no. Those are all youth leaders saying that over there. Not a single teenager in here said amen. When you are like, mom, dad, I want to go to that party on Friday. And they're like, no. You can't go there. Mom, dad, I want to go on a drive at 2 a.m. with my boyfriend. And your dad's like, no, not happening. That's love. When you come downstairs wearing the Barbie doll clothes and your dad's like, take your butt back upstairs and put on some real clothes, that's love. Why? Because, because your parents realize what you might not yet realize, what God realizes, is that you have too much value to be in certain environments. Where's the Mona Lisa? Anybody know? The Louvre. Where's the Louvre at? Paris, France. I've been to the Louvre. It's dope. <laughs> It's nice. It's extravagant. Why is the Mona Lisa not hanging from a thumbtack at your aunt so-and-so's trailer? Because aunt so-and-so's trailer doesn't have the value to hold a masterpiece. You know what God called you? He said, Ephesians 3, you're my masterpiece. So there are some settings and environments that don't have the value to hold the value that's in you. And you don't realize that yet, but your parents do. So they say no. And it's one of the most loving things that a parent can say to you. All the youth leaders said amen. But here's the thing, we assume that like when God says no about something, you know what anytime God says no in the word, in scripture, in the Bible, anytime he says no, it's, it's basically no, comma, because it's for your own good. But we'll get all huffy. We go, oh, God, just doesn't want me to have any fun. But where else do you apply that logic? Like, 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 you go to, uh, my guy sitting next to the dude in the, uh, in the, in the red and blue hat. We know each other. No, right? You, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your name again, dude? Justin. I thought you were Captain America, bro. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Looked over there. I said, guys, calm down. Chris Evans is here. When Justin goes to Home Depot to buy a chainsaw, because that's what Justin would do, that manly man. And Justin gets home with his chainsaw, and, and he breaks out the manual, and he sees the safety instructions. 
none of us would go buy a chainsaw from Home Depot, read the safety instructions, and go, ugh, Home Depot just doesn't want me to have any fun. No, they don't want you to chop your freaking arm off. But then we have that type of attitude towards God as we read his safety instructions for love, sex, and dating, and we think, he just doesn't want me to have any fun. Okay, so you're going to apply the best possible modus of Home Depot, but the worst possible modus of God? How does that make any sense? God isn't keeping you from something. He's keeping you for something. God knows how to walk out love, yes, sex, because he created it, and dating, and relationships, and all of that. He knows how to walk that stuff out in the way in which you will best enjoy it. You won't ruin your life, and it's not like you're over here sipping on rattlesnake venom. God knows what he's talking about. What if we just recognize, God, you know what you're talking about, and we recognize that we can trust him because he has our best interests in mind. Amen? All right, number two. Don't only recognize, run. Look at your neighbor. Say, run. I like that. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Say, run. All right. Back to the fight or flight idea. If you guys don't know, there's a, there's a couple double doors right here. So what would you do? Grayson, what, what are you doing, my guy, if a, uh, a full-grown grizzly bear comes through those doors? What are you doing? What are you doing? What? Running where? Which way? Where are you going? Like that. Grayson's surviving, y'all. If the zombie apocalypse takes off right now, follow Grayson. He knows what he's doing. You run, all right? If a, if a fool, and there's not very many things you like other than a grizzly bear that you'd rather not run into in nature, right? They are wild. You run. That's fight or flight. Do something drastic to your sin or your sin will do something drastic to you. I love that that's exactly what Joseph did. Joseph walks in to do his housework. Out of the shadows comes a mysterious hand and grabs him by the cloak. And then he turns and coming into the light, it's Potiphar's wife. She's like, sleep with me. And he goes, Whoa. and he just turns and runs, bro. He just runs. That's wisdom. We could just stop right there, bro. That's wisdom. The moment that, that sin peeks its ugly head at you, run. Run for dear life separates yourself from it. If a grizzly bear ran through that door, we're all putting as much space between us and that grizzly bear as possible, except Justin. Justin would go fight it for the rest of us so the rest of us can survive. He got the chainsaw from Home Depot, remember? And he's going to go after the thing, all right? The rest of us, we're running. Why? Because that's what you do with a grizzly bear, and that's what you do with sin. You run. You don't stick around to see how this is going to pan out. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin that is against your own body. Um, anybody like hiking? I love hiking. One of my favorite things about our area is there's so many great places to hike. Has anybody ever been on a hike and you heard this blood chilling sound? Anybody ever hear that? What do you do? Okay, so this is kind of like contradictory to my point. Uh, if you hear that noise, apparently you're supposed to freeze. Dude, you thought that was me? That's the best I could do. No, no, that was the computer. <laughs> we, downloaded it. we downloaded that sound. Um, so apparently you're supposed to just stand still. But like none of us are doing that. And here's what you definitely don't do. You don't run towards that sound, do you? You run from it. You get away from it. Why? Because we all intrinsically know that rattlesnakes are deadly. 
We have, one time our cleaning lady, like seven years ago, bumped a rattlesnake with a vacuum in this room. Don't worry, we have a great exterminator now. We haven't seen one in the building for over seven years, okay? But we get them in the canyons and stuff. If you ever hear that noise, freeze or run from it. Definitely don't run towards it. Why? Because it is dangerous. And so it is with sin. I promise you, you give in to some of this stuff. I promise you, you will live with regrets. If you don't, I promise you, you will not regret it. You will never look back. Can I tell you, can I be just like vulnerable and candid for, for a minute? Amber and I, we've been married for, for over 13 years. Um, this year will be 14 years. Amber and I, we, we waited until marriage. And I'm going to leave it at that. And if you're like, some of you junior highs are like, waited for what? Like board games? <laughs> yes, board games. <laughs> it's called Clue. <laughs> we'll just stick with that, okay? <laughs> and can I tell you, I've never looked back. I've never looked back and thought, because we got married at 20. That should be illegal. <laughs> but we did. I've never looked back and go and gone, man, I really regret not just going out and going wild, going crazy. I really, you know, oh, I wish I would have just dated more people. Oh, I wish I would have fell in love with more people and then broke up and then fell in love with another one and broke up and fell in love with another one and broke up and just practiced for divorce and then went and got with Amber. I never, I've never thought that. You do things God's way, I promise you, you will not regret it. You won't, but... But Pastor Corey, what if I've already messed up? You still run. No, but I've, always, I've already messed up. You still run. I want to expose two lies, two lies of the enemy. This is how the enemy works, okay? <laughs> you will, the enemy will lie to you and, and tell you this. No big deal. Hey, it's no big deal. Everybody else is doing it. I know you're only in the seventh grade, but just lie to your parents and get into a relationship. It's no big deal. Listen, ev all, everyone else goes there. Everyone else does that. Everyone else is doing those things. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. And then you sin, and at this point, the enemy then says, big deal. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you, you are so, you're like, you're so like a hypocrite. You go to church. How dare you? So it's like on one hand, he's like, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Then you mess up. And he's like, what a big deal. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you went there. I can't believe you did those things. I can't believe you watched that. I can't believe you thought that. I can't believe you. You are so messed up. You're so gross. Now, Matt, now you're just damaged. This is such a big deal. Until he kind of calms you down and goes, actually, never mind, it's no big deal. Just go right back and do it again. And then you do it again. It's like, oh, now it's a big deal again. That's such a lie of the enemy. That's the first lie, the big deal lie. He'll tell you it's no big deal until you sin, and then he'll tell you it's a big deal. And then his second lie is, hey, you've already messed up once. Why not just keep messing up? But where else do you apply that logic? Anybody ever broken a bone? Let me rephrase that. Uh, who in here snowboards? <laughs> Because that's the same thing. Like, you're good, just going to break something if you snowboard. Like, you ever break, nobody breaks their arm and goes, ah, broken arm. Might as well break the other one. Like, that's the dumbest thing ever. If you were on your hike and you heard the rattlesnake and then the rattlesnake bit you, you wouldn't go, ah, bit me once already. Might as well give it the other leg. That's the stupidest thing. Yeah, you laugh, but that's what some of you guys do with sin. Oh, I messed up once. What's the difference? Just let me go do it again. But if the wages of sin is death... 
if, if sin is deadly, if it's like venom, if it's like poison, then you don't go running back just because you've messed up once. Can I tell you, if you have had moments of sin, if you have slipped up, if you have messed up, we're going to pray for you in a moment. But can I tell you, there's forgiveness available to you. There's restoration available to you. The, the, the scripture says that those who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. You can have a brand new start tonight. And you're going to get that opportunity in just a moment. How do you avoid slipping up and falling into sin? You run. And you keep on running. The last point is the band heads up. We got recognized. We got run. The last one, radical. Somebody say radical. <laughs> I like whoever added dude. You're my favorite. <laughs> um, there are these two guys, these two college wrestlers. If you could throw up the picture of them. Uh, there's these two college wrestlers. Uh, these guys. You like his shirt? <laughs> He was shirtless in the he was shirtless in, in this picture and he's a college wrestler so he had abs and we didn't want to let any of the young girls stumble so we put a tie-dye shirt over him. <laughs> Shout out Trinity. Uh, their their names are Brad Lowry and Kendall Cummings and they were on a hike and out of nowhere Brad and Kendall hear a grizzly bear come running out of the woods. And they kind of freak out. Oh my gosh, the guy who who oh, throw it back up for me if you would. The guy who uh, is more messed up, um, so the bear attacked dude in the blue shirt, not the tie-dye shirt, the blue shirt, attacked him first. And his friend, you know what his friend did? The bear jumps on this dude, is attacking him, and his friend is home. Oh, my gosh, dude. Like, if you, if you ever did something like this for me, it could be like, it could be like a cat. I'd still be like, you're a friend for life. This dude with a grizzly bear jumps on the grizzly bear's back. And starts just beating the grizzly bear up. He said, I didn't know what else to do other than to like scrape at its eyes and pull on its ears. Until the grizzly bear shook him off, turned around, and then he turned on him. To which his friend, who was just getting attacked by a grizzly bear that chomped on his arm and fractured his arm, he then goes over and starts fighting the grizzly bear, bro. Do start two homies fight off a grizzly bear. They both live because they like you're friends for life, bro. Zay, you ever fight off a grizzly bear for me, dog? We're friends for life. I'm not going to lie, bro. If a grizzly bear was getting one of y'all, I'd be like, I'll see you in heaven. <laughs> Fight or flight? Flight. <laughs> I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. I'm just kidding. I'd help you out, maybe. What's your point? Let's go back to the grizzly bear coming through these doors. Say there's a grizzly bear coming through, right, and you tried to head to that door, but something happened. I don't know. In the middle, simultaneously, there's an earthquake, and you can't get out that door. You can't get out that. What would you do? You'd be like, oh, on the other side of those curtains are windows. I'm going to kick through those windows. I'm going to get out. Oh, that's not working. Well, I'll get out the back doors. No, that's not working. You would exhaust every single option until you would finally say, all right, I'm going to turn to hand-to-hand combat with a grizzly, which you would probably say, that's so radical and drastic. Exactly, but that's what you would do to survive. That's the type of attitude we need to start having with our sin. We need to get radical with our sin. Because you run, that's your best option. Run from sin. Run from sexual immorality. Run from that temptation. But you're not always going to be able to run. Bro, Carl's Jr. commercials be getting crazy out here. You need to get radical with your sin or your sin's going to get radical with you. The enemy, he's not not pulling any punches. 
And we're over here being casual about that which we should be radical about. And here's what I can't help but to think. Why are you casual about that which you should be radical about? And I think that the only real explanation is you don't believe God. Because who said the wages of sin is death? God did in his word. So if you don't think, though, if, if death is involved, it's radical. But if you're casual, then you don't believe that the wages of sin is death. So ultimately, you're not getting radical with your sin because you just don't believe God. Man, let's take God at his word. Let's trust him. Let's get radical because I'm sick and tired of young people who have a calling on their life, who have anointing on their life, who God's called out to do good things, great things, who God has called into the kingdom to make an impact. And they just give in. They give in to things that I know they're going to regret. They're going to look back and go, that was not worth it. All the girls who dated a boy in junior high said amen. So I remember that boy in the seventh grade. That fool, what did I, why would I even waste my time? And I'm sick of seeing it. We need to get drastic with our sin. I preached a, um, a breakout session at a camp one time, kind of around this idea. And this, this kid came up, and, and I, I, like, I, I, I applaud his honesty because he didn't hit me with the, hey, asking for a friend. He came and he said, hey, um, what do you do? If you and your girlfriend have, have crossed physical boundaries, if you've gone too far, what do you do? And I said, well, I think that you go to her and you say, hey, um, we shouldn't have done that. And I apologize. Here's what I want to do. I want to honor you and I want to honor God. And I value you and I think so highly of you that I, I look at you, it's like you're worth the wait. And I said, and then watch, watch how she responds to that. She's like, oh my gosh, like, that's so, like, loving and such a, like, that's so gentleman of you. And then he says, no, 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 my girlfriend's the one who pressures me. My girlfriend's the one who pushes me in this stuff. And I said, oh, well, it's super simple then. You just have to break up with her. <laughs> and he goes, no, well, no, 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 that's not an option. I said, okay, well then you just have to decide who comes first in your life. Your girlfriend or God? And he said, oh, and walked away. <laughs> See, some of y'all got into a relationship, and now this person gets all your time, all your attention, all your focus. Somebody goes to your Instagram, and the last 47 posts are you guys. You've cut out friends from your life. They're alienating you from your family, which that's the, one of the biggest and first red flags. Hey, what's one of your red flags? Levi, you're, Levi, you're so funny, dude. <laughs> Levi's playing keyboard back there. He's like listening to Katy Perry. Here's a red flag. If they ever try to alienate or cause division in your family, red flag. Big red flag. And now, and now they're the only one who gets your time and your attention and your focus and your affection. Every single post that you put up is about them. Every time you have free time, it's spent with them. You're practically singing their praises. Sounds a lot like worship. You know what you, know what you worship if it's not God? It's called an idol. You know what the first of the Ten Commandments were? Don't do that. <laughs> but some of us have idols. Can I tell you, get radical with your sin. Is God number one in your life? 
is God, really, rhetorical question, don't answer it, except in your own heart. Is God number one in your life? For some of you, you know, right when I ask that question, you're like, no, he's not. We should be. You'll never be right with a mate until you're right with your maker. Promise you that. You want a beautiful love life? Make God the love of your life. Put him first. You'll never come in last by putting God first. I promise you that. John 10, 10 says, the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you may have lived, you may have life and you may live life to the fullest. Another version says you may live life, uh, you may live life in abundance. Do something drastic to your sin or your sin will do something drastic to you. Can I tell you, it's not too late to put God first in your life. It's the best decision you can make with God. It's the most drastic thing you could do to your sin is to take it to Jesus and say, would you forgive me of this as I repent from it and I turn from it? I'm going to give you that opportunity, that, that moment right now. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? God, I pray for every single person in this room. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to them. Soften their hearts. Soften their minds. God, anybody who's not already in relationship with you, give them the boldness and the courage, the desire to get into a relationship with you right now. To start it right now. To not put off to tomorrow that which they can do today. With heads bowed, with eyes closed, if that's you, you would say, Pastor Corey, I want to give my life to Jesus. That is me. I want to start this relationship. Maybe you, right here, right now, you're like, you know what? I have, I have, I have. I've like given my heart to other people, to other things. I've sought after everything but God. And, and none of it, none of it has satisfied. For some of you, it's left you feeling more hollow, more depressed, more alone. And you're sitting here going, I want that relationship. I want the relationship with the one who created love. Scripture says God is love. And if that's you tonight, maybe, maybe you have, maybe you have messed up. Maybe you've made mistakes. Can I tell you, God does not run short on forgiveness and grace. He's extending it to you freely tonight. All you got to do is receive it. So with heads bowed, with eyes closed, if you want to receive that love and start that relationship, I'm going to ask you to respond in a simple way. I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, you just lift your hand. You can put it right back down. I just believe when we respond on the outside to what God's doing on the inside, it solidifies it in our hearts, in our lives, and in our souls. This is your moment right here, right now. I had my moment at 15 years old. This is your moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. When I get to three, you lift your hand. One, two, three, go. All over this place. Man, so many hands going. You can put them right back down. What we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to pray. We start this relationship with God with words that we say with our mouth that we believe in our hearts. So would you repeat these simple words right after me? Everybody say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you everything. From this moment forward, I'm going to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for receiving me. From this day forward, I'll be your child. and You'll be my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now? Hey, that's the best decision that you could ever make with your life. And we don't think it's the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. And so we want to we wanna start and kickstart this journey with you. We want to help you. I remember when I first got saved, when I first became a Christian, I had a thousand questions. I felt like I had no one I could ask these questions of. 
we want to get you something called the next seven days. It's seven videos that we've created. Literally, it's me on these videos that'll just help answer some questions you have. It'll help teach you uh, some basics of our faith. It'll help take you from today to next Wednesday and kickstart you on your faith journey and your relationship with Jesus. How can I get that, Corey? Easy. Just go to our Instagram, at bridge, Y-T-H underscore, DM us the words next seven, and that's it. We'll handle the rest. We'll get you connected with a leader. We will uh, send you the videos, all that. If you don't have Instagram, no problem. Come see me. Come see Amber, any one of our leaders. Tell them, hey, I want, an, I want the next seven days. I don't have Instagram. We'll get those videos to you in another avenue. Hey, one more time. Can we welcome people into God's family? All right. I wanted to kickstart this journey, this, this series, with something a little bit unique. So here's what we're going to do. Nobody coming down to the front. Would you just stand to your feet right now? And can I get this? Can I get all the gentlemen to make their way down front? Gentlemen, start making your way down front. That's so G. Don't distract anybody. I know there's, it might be like you might be in the middle of your row. You could just say, hey, can I get past you? And then if not, just kick your way past them. <clears throat> Ladies, you're, I know you're over there like, what the heck? Like, we got to worship from back here? No, no, we're all going to come down and worship in a second. But ladies, we're going we're gonna to do spiritual warfare for our brothers in a moment. Okay? What you're going to do, ladies, you're going to help me pray for these guys. You know that in Scripture, the people of God, you know we're not friends. We're quite literally family. These are, these are brothers. Those are sisters. Some of us, our own brothers and sisters don't know Jesus. For some of you, you guys are my brothers, especially you in the Raiders hat. <laughs> For some of you, like, you, like, like, we, like, we get through life together, bro. Like, we, we have each other's back. And, and, and I have family that don't get me like you because they are not people of faith. Ladies, these aren't just guys down here. These are your brothers, and you're going to help me pray in just a moment. Here's what I had in the back of my mind, guys, when I was thinking about this moment and praying for you. There's a moment where Jesus is talking to Peter. Some of you know who Peter is. Some of you won't. Peter was, like, potentially Jesus' best friend. He was one of the 12 disciples glued to Jesus' hip for three years straight. He's like Jesus' ride or die. And this one time... Jesus is talking to Peter, and he goes, hey, Peter, um, Satan has asked for you. Satan's asked to sift you out. Satan has asked to take you out. Like you, Peter, by name. He says, but Peter, I've prayed for you. I've got you. And I felt like, bro, like Satan has asked for you boys. Not on my watch, not on our watch. As brothers with sisters behind you, not on our watch. He can't have you. God's got a plan for your life. God's got anointing on you. God wants to use you. And any way that you think, no, 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 not me. The other guy standing around because you don't know what I've done and you don't know what I've looked at. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know the thoughts that's gone through my head. But God does. And he's still calling you. And he still wants to use you. But if you give in and you give up, you're waving the white flag. You're throwing in the towel. 
This is my plead. This is my, my urging you. Don't throw in the towel. I know for some of you, you're like, bro, this fight is hard. I get it. I get it. Don't give up. So what we're going to pray for you, gentlemen, right now is two things. Number one, I'm going to pray protection over you. The enemy cannot have you. And number two, I'm going to pray for supernatural strength in you. Strength for what? Strength to be gentlemen, to be men of God. Because in a moment, you're going to pray for the ladies. And instead of, the lady said, heck yeah, you are. (laughs) And instead of being a moment where it's all about, it's all about what ladies can be for us, they can do for you, you can get out of them, it's going to be all about blessing them. And you're going to have an opportunity to put into work exactly what we're going to pray for right now. Ladies, would you do me a favor? Would you just stretch out a hand towards these men? Guys, would you just lift your hands to heaven right now as we pray for you? This is a spiritual moment. This is a holy moment. God, I pray protection over these boys. Satan, I say, release your hold on my sons. Hell, release your hold on my sons, on my brothers. You can't have them. I pray for for holy hearts, God. I pray for for an urge, a hunger, a thirst for righteousness. God, I pray for hearts of lions that say, I will do battle to be holy. I will do battle to not fall into all the traps that the enemy has. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would keep these boys out of and away from the things that want to destroy their life and cost them their calling. I pray in this moment right now, a supernatural strength rising up in them to resist the devil. Because what you said in your word is that if we resist the devil, he will flee. If we resist the devil, then he will flee. So I pray for this holy resistance in these young men. I pray for a heart after you. God, I pray that they would be men after your own heart. God, I pray that they wouldn't be young men that have to learn from mistakes, but instead they would be young men that learn from other people's mistakes and they, God, honor you with their lives and their decisions. God, I pray that these would be the young men that honor women as their sisters. These would be the gentlemen that don't care how much society and culture changes, that they would be the young men that open doors, that they would be the young men that show honor, that they would be the young men that look girls in the eyes, that they would be the young men that have hearts to honor their sisters, that they'd be young men that have hearts to honor you. And I pray in Jesus' name, nothing, absolutely nothing will deter them. God, I pray for any men in this group right here who've made mistakes. The old is gone, the new has come. Those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I pray wipe out memories from their minds. I pray heal them. I pray bring reconciliation. I pray in Jesus' name, a line has been drawn in the sand and they're never going back. They're moving forward into all the things that you have for them. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. Come on, just thank God for what he's doing right now. All right, guys, right down the middle here. This half, the guys, go that way, kind of in front of the screens on the side. This half, go that way in front of the screens and on the side. Ladies, would you meet me down at the front? By the way, ladies, you notice, you notice that there's more girls here than there are guys? Did you know that that's true of the global Christian church? That we are the only faith group in all of the world and in all of human history that is predominantly female? The Christian church is made up of about 60% women and about 40% men. Why is that? 
I think it's because of how much scripture and God values and compliments and lifts up women, empowers, loves, values women. And in a, in a day, in an age, in a culture that seems to, um, that seems to devalue women, God values women over and over and over again. So here's my, here's my prayer for you, ladies. That you would see yourselves as God sees you. That you would see yourself as God sees you. Because some of you have made mistakes and you don't see yourself as God sees you anymore. Some of you, some things have happened to you now you don't see yourself as God sees you. Some of you, you look in the mirror, and you don't like what you see, it's just called puberty, girl. Hold up. You're going to look good. Give it a couple years. <laughs> you know, you could, throw a, you could throw a cup of noodle in the microwave, and it takes two minutes, but it's still a cup of noodle. You know, anybody, eat, anybody ever eat grandma's crock pot cooking? It takes 12 hours, bro, but it is delicious. God's just crock pot cooking with you, all right, girl? <laughs> you can be all right. Well, and this is actually important. In our day and in our age, where around 12 or 13, you don't feel quite so comfortable in your own body, and so you start thinking that maybe this isn't really the body that God gave me, and maybe I should be different, and maybe God made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes, and he didn't make a mistake on you. And God says in his word, that you are his masterpiece. You are the crescendo of the music piece. You know the last thing that God ever created? The last thing he created in Genesis. Do you know what the last thing was, girls? It's you. It was Eve. It was woman. Did you know that God is incapable of doing anything accidentally? And did you know that also Genesis, the creation account, was written poetically? And so there was emphasis here. And in ancient Jewish tradition, it was thought of that whatever came last held the highest value. It was like God saying, yo, you want the crescendo? You want the masterpiece? You want the best of the best? Here it comes. Adam, lay down. I'm going to take one of your ribs. Like, Bro, what? <laughs> and then he makes a woman. He says, this will be your helper, Adam. And helper was not a subordinate uh, 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 title. It's the same word, azer, in the Hebrew. It's the same word referred to as the Holy Spirit. Talk about value. My prayer is that you would see yourself as God sees you. Guys, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You're not going to pray towards the ladies. These girls are, man, some of these girls are too dang cute for you to focus, okay? You're going to have to look in the other direction. They got some beauty that's just going to distract you, boys. <laughs> no, because I want you to pray simultaneously for your sisters as you pray against all the crap that's out there trying to come for them. Here's my heart for you gentlemen right now as you pray for them. That your heart is, guys, gentlemen, hear me. I want to talk to you one more time and then Amber's going to pray for the ladies. Don't be the men that other men have to protect these girls from. Be the men that protect these girls. Be gentlemen. So this moment, you praying for the ladies and looking outward, here's your statement in your heart. All right, world, devil, demons, you want to get to my sisters, you got to go through me first then. And there's power in our prayers. 
The prayers of a righteous man avail much. So that's what we're going to do. Gentlemen, would you just kind of face that way? These guys, face that way. And right now you're going to start praying. And I don't want you to just pray in your head. I want you to pray out loud to where your sisters can hear you as Amber prays. Come on, start praying right now, gentlemen. Father, right now, God, we believe and trust in the power of prayer. And Father, to collectively we pray that you would hear us, that you would know us, God. And I pray that every young girl right now would turn away from their sin. They would turn away from shame. They would turn away from the things that they've done to hurt themselves, the things that others have done to hurt them, from the the the, the things that they can't control, Father, the, the horrible things that have happened in their lives, God. I pray that they would turn away from those things and turn towards you. God, where they find acceptance, where they find worth, where they find true value, God, in you. Father, when we turn away from the sin, the things that have happened to us, the things that we've done to ourselves, and we turn towards you, God, we find hope, we find peace, we find restoration. And God, that overflowing love, God, that never ends, God, that we can never be separated from, I pray that the girls would feel that in this moment that they wouldn't just know it. Yes, we know that you love us so much, God, so much, God, that it, it never, nothing can separate us from that great love that you have for us. But God, in this moment, God, supernaturally, I pray that they would feel that love. They would know that acceptance from you, that they wouldn't have to find it in any person or anything, but that it would wholeheartedly, everything within them would find that acceptance in you not in impressing anyone, not in, com in any comparison for anyone else. God, not in the hurt that they feel because they have been hurt by people. God, not in the ways that they've made choices to hurt themselves. God, but that they would look to your goodness. They would look to your peace. They would look to your fulfillment. God, they would look to your love that covers everything. It covers a multitude of sins. And God, so when we turn away from those things and we turn towards you, that's when we begin to live life for real. And so God, I pray that over every girl. God, I pray that because God, I have been prayed over. God, you've sent people in my life. God, you've done this in my life. And God, I know that you can do it in each of these girls' lives, that they can turn towards you right now in this moment. And not just in this moment at youth, but every single day of their life, every moment of their life they would turn towards that love and that acceptance that's found only in you, not in anything else. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. All right. Like most, like most guys, I didn't think this thing all the way through. So boys, you'll be, you'll be worshiping on the sides and the girls, you get front and center for worship. But here's what Here's what I want to do. I want, I want this next moment to be our moment that regardless of our past, regardless of what we've done, regardless of what our own minds, our hearts, or emotions say, from this moment forward, God will always be first, primary, foremost in our lives. And for that to happen, some of you need healing. Some of you need a fresh start. Some of you need forgiveness like you just received. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for those things, and then we're going to worship. Would you do me a favor? Close your eyes. Lift your hands. Forget you're in a crowded room. We just had a corporate moment. We just had a public moment. Let's have a private moment now. God, pray for the one who needs healing. Would you bring healing? I pray for the one who needs a fresh start. Give it to them right now. I pray for those who need forgiveness. Lord, I pray your forgiveness and grace would be washing over them right now. God, that they would 
they wouldn't just know it, but they would feel it as well. Your forgiveness washing over them. God, as we worship you right now, I pray a new beginning of putting you first. You're the first. You're the primary. You're foremost. And nothing and no one will ever come before you. I worship you.